Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to this time where your word is read, we ask that your word will be infused with the power of your spirit that is here among us, here in this church, and that these words will touch us deeply, that they will move us, and that they will somehow shape us into more Christ-like people. Bless this time that we have in your presence. Bless this time that we have with each other. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please stand if you are able for the reading of the word. Our scripture this morning comes from the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verse 14, through chapter 4, verse 5. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it, And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort and complete patient, with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears, for they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So this passage that we just read is uh, from 2 Timothy. Paul wrote the letter. This is a letter to Timothy. And it's the second one that we have that Paul wrote uh, for for Timothy. Now the setting for it is Paul was in prison. This was uh, most likely his fourth missionary journey to Rome. It's not mentioned in the book of Acts, so it happened after that. Uh, but Paul was imprisoned uh, for the second time in Rome, and he knew that this was probably going to be the end for him. He knew that he was probably going to be facing execution. And so he was writing one final letter to Timothy. He had already written one. Now he's writing another one, and he's giving Timothy some encouragement. He's, he's trying to, um, to, to give him a positive word and give him sort of a final farewell. And then he wraps the book up by, by urging Timothy to come and pay one last visit to him. So Paul knows that these are important words. This might be the last time that he gets to say anything to Timothy. And what does he do? He exhorts. And what does that mean? That's kind of a funny word. If, if you've been at our Wednesday night studies, you know that uh, exhortation is a spiritual gift. And it basically means to encourage someone or to support someone uh, with, with a good word through the use of Scripture. It's having that right word spoken in the right season. But it's more than that. It's also being able to pull it from Scripture and to be able to use it. Now, some people have this as a spiritual gift. They're just very 
gifted and graced in this area, and they always know the right thing to say, the right scripture to use. Some people have this as a gift. But all of us should be able to encourage and exhort each other. Paul had this gift of exhortation. That was his spiritual gift. He was always writing a letter to some church or to somebody and always encouraging them, always giving them a word of exhortation. And it wasn't always good. Sometimes it was rebuke. But Paul was always speaking a word to them to, to, to help them grow in their ministry. Now, what is Paul encouraging Timothy to do? Uh, at the end of chapter 3, he basically lists three things. He says, first, continue in what you have learned. In other words, just keep going with what you've learned. You know the right thing. Keep going with it. The second is know from whom you have learned it. In other words, he's telling Timothy, recall what you have learned and, and remember the source that it came from. Was it a trustworthy source? And, and obviously it was, or Paul wouldn't have been saying this. Continue on what you've learned and remember the people who have taught it to you. And then the third thing, the third point, which is the one we're mainly going to be talking about today, is remember how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. And then he goes on to say in the next sentence, all scripture is breathed out by God. So Paul is telling Timothy, remember how you have scripture at your disposal, how you've always known the scriptures, and remember that those scriptures are God-breathed. Now what is Paul considering the sacred writings? What is Paul considering scripture? Now we consider the Bible to be our sacred writings, to be scripture. But that's not exactly what Paul meant, because what Paul is writing here to Timothy is in the Bible. So he couldn't have been talking about, this letter I'm writing you right now is in the sacred scriptures. He's saying, remember the scriptures you've been taught, that you've become acquainted with since your childhood. Basically, he's talking about the Old Testament. The scriptures that were in circulation among uh, the Jews before Christ even came uh, to, to earth. And, and these were the sacred texts that the, the early church used. At this time, when Paul was writing Timothy, the Gospels hadn't, there were, there were a lot of oral tellings of the Gospel, but they hadn't been written down yet. Paul was right after uh, uh, Jesus. It was, this was just a few years after the crucifixion and the resurrection. So the Gospels had not been committed to paper yet, and Paul's letters were circulating, but they weren't collected in a... And, and, and all held together. And, and, uh, but the Old Testament was what everybody had. And so those are the scriptures. And that's why it's important, y'all have heard me say probably many times as I've preached from the Old Testament, that it's important for us to know the Old Testament. You hear the arguments uh, that people say that the Old Testament is all law and the New Testament is grace. And, of course, you all probably heard me say several times that's not, that, that's not the case. That's a misunderstanding. The Old Testament is all about grace. God saved the Israelites. He delivered them out of slavery to Egypt. And he delivered them out of uh, exile. He delivered them out of captivity to Babylon. And despite the children of Israel constantly rebelling against God and turning their eyes away from Him, God continued to be patient with them, to, to, uh, to support them, to pour out His love and blessing on them whenever they would turn back. So the Old Testament is filled with grace. You could say that is the theme of the Old Testament. 
And so when the New Testament comes along and Jesus comes along, Jesus isn't teaching uh, this, this whole new thing that says throw out the Old Testament. In fact, Jesus is using the Old Testament in his teaching. Now, it's important for Paul to remind Timothy to keep these scriptures on hand, to remember them, remember what they say, and it's important for us to do the same. Why? Because Jesus did. And because we follow Jesus. And if we're a disciple, that means we, we try to do what Jesus did. And Jesus was constantly referring back to the Old Testament. And the Gospel of John, he says that Scripture, and of course he's talking about the Old Testament, cannot be broken. He referred to it in Matthew as the commandment of God. And in Mark, he calls it the Word of God. And he also indicated that it was indestructible, saying, Until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass away from the law until it is all accomplished. Jesus talked about Lot, he talked about Abraham, he talked about Moses, David, Noah, Elijah, and Jonah. He quoted from the book of Exodus seven times. He quoted from the book of Isaiah eight times. He quoted from Deuteronomy ten times, and he quoted the Psalms eleven times. Jesus was not in any way suggesting throw out your Old Testament. Jesus was very literate when it came to the Scriptures, and if we are following Christ, we must also do the same. And Paul tells Timothy that. Remember those Scriptures. Remember the Scriptures that you have been taught from an early age. And why? He says in verse 17, because it's part of your completion. It will equip you for every good work. We've been talking a lot in the church lately about finding our purpose finding our meaning, discovering our gifts and our graces so that we can fulfill our purpose and do the work that God wants us to do. But we can't do any of that if we are not equipped with the Scriptures. Now, after Paul tells this to Timothy, he gives him another list of, of what he needs to do. After he's equipped himself with the Scriptures, he says, preach. Then he says, be ready in and out of season. Meaning you never know when you're going to need to pull a word from the Scriptures. You never know. And be ready to reprove, rebuke, and exhort. In other words, Paul is saying, do what I'm doing right now. Be ready to pull from the Scriptures. Be ready to give examples. But be ready to encourage and exhort and strengthen other people in their faith. But of course, you can't do any of that if... We're biblically illiterate. If we do it, we are doing, as Paul says, the work of evangelism. We are fulfilling our role. We are, we are fulfilling our ministry, our purpose. But if we aren't doing it, it's probably an indication that we are ill-equipped. And unfortunately, a lot of people in the church are ill-equipped. I would say probably the biggest epidemic in the church uh, in America and, and even globally uh, the biggest epidemic in the church is biblical illiteracy. People who just don't know what the Bible says. And, and we, we have this mission statement here in the United Methodist Church to go and make disciples, uh, to, to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. But we can't, be, we can't make disciples if we are not faithful disciples ourselves. And part of that is disciplining ourselves to walk as Jesus walked, to talk as he talked, and to be equipped with the scriptures in the same way that he was. 
we have access to the Word of God. This isn't just an ancient text. Some people refer to the Bible as an ancient text, uh, a book of wisdom, uh, one of many holy books. That's not all it is. The Bible is the God-breathed Word of God. And, and all you have to do, that you can see where the Bible verifies itself and it proves itself over and over again. You know, God told the, the people, the children of Israel, not to eat shellfish and not to eat pork. And of course, we're not bound by that. But, but He tells them that for their own good. And it's only centuries and centuries later we find out that those things are high in cholesterol. In Leviticus, God talked about how you should quarantine someone who has an illness and you, you keep them sort of excommunicated. And, and they thought that this was harsh at the time to do that. They had no idea about a germ virus and how it spreads. But God knew, and that's why God spoke it. You know, many ancient uh, religions thought that the world was propped up by something. The Greeks thought that it was held by seven marble pillars. The Hindus thought that the world sat on the backs of two large elephants. But Job declares that the earth is, sus is suspended on nothing. There is wisdom all in the Bible way ahead of its time. Science way ahead of its time. History way ahead of its time. Verifying itself, and that proves that it is the inspired Word of God. It is the breathed Word of God. It is not merely an ancient text. And we have access to it. Today, we have access to all of those words that God spoke. It's up to us to become familiar with them and to become equipped with them. You would be surprised how many things other people have told me are in the Bible that are not in there. Have you ever had somebody come up to you and say, Well, you know what the Bible says. Cleanliness is next to godliness. And I have to say, no, it doesn't say that. Your grandmother might have said that. The Bible doesn't say that. But I hear those from time to time. I, I, I do. People come up to me and say, well, you know what the Bible says. You have to love everybody, but you don't have to like them. The Bible doesn't say that. What does that even mean? I mean, the challenge of loving everybody is to love when you don't feel like it. And, and to do that, you, you have to feel some sort of empathy for the person. And the Bible, that's a cop-out. I don't like them, but you know, I love them in theory because the Bible says to. There are things that we, we put in the Bible that aren't there. And why? Because as Paul said, we have itching ears. We have things that we want to believe, things that we want to think, and we project them into the Scriptures or onto the Scriptures, and we claim them even though they're not there. And we do that because we aren't always totally familiar with what is there. I had a preacher tell me that, that a, a, a member of his congregation came up to him one time and said, Preacher, I just can't keep coming to this church. And he said, Well, I hate to hear that. Why is that? And the member said, well, I'm just not being fed. I'm not being spiritually fed. And the preacher said, you know, it's my job to feed my one-year-old. It's not my job to feed you. You've been coming to this church for years and years. You should know how to feed yourself. In other words, he was saying, my job is to help you know where to go. But it's your job to be hungry and to, know, and, and to go there and to feed yourself. And see, we have this mistaken idea that, that that's what pastors do, that, that people can sit out here and not know much about the Scripture and the, and the pastor just gives it to them and feeds them. 
That's not how it is. We're not becoming disciples of Christ when we do that. The pastor's job is to be a shepherd and to help lead and to help direct. A shepherd doesn't feed the sheep. A shepherd steers the sheep into pastures where they can eat, where they can feed and grow and be healthy and be safe. And that's the pastor's job. But as Christians, as a church, it is all of our duty to familiarize ourselves with scriptures, to become equipped, to use it for our ministry. And then Paul says it's very important to be familiar with these scriptures, to be equipped, because a time is coming. That's what Paul says. A time is coming when people who have itching ears will only hear what they want to hear. We live in that time right now. We live, it's not in an age of information. I've heard it called an age of information. That We live in an age of affirmation. And if you don't believe that, all you have to do is turn on cable news. If you watch Fox News or if you watch MSNBC, you would think it's two totally different elections going on right now. Whichever one you agree with, that's the one you can tune in with and they'll say all the things that you want to hear and you can nod your head. That's the age we live in. We can hear the things that we want to hear that support what we already think. But it doesn't work that way with Scripture. Scripture is the God-breathed truth. And we can have itching ears and try to ignore what's there or try to put our own spin on it or our our own ideas on it. Or we can accept it for what it is and let it change us. And once we do that, we become equipped. We become empowered. We have the words of God at our disposal. And we can use those words in the correct season. You see, we all have a duty. We all have a duty to become complete, to become equipped in order to fulfill our ministry or our purpose here on earth, whatever that may be. The question is, are we looking to be fed or are we looking to be trained? Trained to know where to go when we are hungry. And are we hungry? Do we crave the words of God, knowing that God's word is what sustains us? What is written in the Bible is a message of grace, it's a message of love, it's one of hope and encouragement, reproof, exhortation, instruction. But let us read it. And not just read it, let us crave it. Let us learn it. Let us write it on our hearts and store it in our minds so that in season and out of season we will be equipped, ready to sustain ourselves, and ready to speak words of life and hope to others. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the ancient scriptures that you have breathed and that you have secured for us all these years. We thank you for the access that we have to these words that come straight from your heart. We confess that we are not always faithful in equipping ourselves with these words, but Lord, we ask that you give us the power, the perseverance, that you give us the passion, the hunger to feed ourselves on these words so that we can understand our own sense of purpose, our own ministry, and we can be your disciples. We can speak your words to others and help make disciples. Lord, Create this hunger in us. 
strengthen us on our journey. And let us always turn to you as our ultimate source of truth. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Our hymn of invitation this morning is Wonderful Words of Life. Hymn number 600. Please stand if you are able. If you've made a decision of any type today, uh, I invite you and encourage you to come forward. Just a reminder, the altar is always open if you want to come come have a, a moment of prayer. But please stand if you are able. Hymn number 600.